0: TED Talks is a podcast for theater teachers and theater education students. I am Dr. Jimmy Chrisman, theater education professor at Illinois State University. Each week I want to bring you stories and interviews from experienced K-12 theater teachers, current theater education majors, and professors of theater education that will warm your heart, renew your faith in teaching, and provide resources to better your practice in your theater classroom. I'm excited to welcome to TED Talks for this episode Dr. Cindy Brown. She, uh... 44 years in theater education, and she is now retired um, after working in Minnesota, North Dakota, Arizona, and finally at Illinois State. Um, I had giant shoes to fill when she retired, and I, I stepped into this position, and um She's been so gracious and wonderful to me um, the entire time I've been here. So, Cindy, welcome to the show, and uh, I would love for you to introduce yourself and and kind of t- take us on your journey through your career so far. It will oh, well, through your career. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that could take a while, Jimmy. Uh, no, I, I want to. First of all, I want to. I want to thank you so much for this. Um, oh, this wonderful, gracious uh, invitation uh, for some time to spend with you. Uh, someone who from. The moment I heard about you and, and you're coming to ISU, I'm just thrilled and so happy uh, to at least share a few moments with you. We didn't get to share any collegially uh, right. at the university, but we'll share some here right now. Um, let's see, yeah, uh, 44 years. My first, uh, my first year of teaching was in a, a really small school and I've been fortunate that as I took a look at my career, it went kind of in steps that were manageable for me. So my first school was 125 kids, K-12. Wow. I was I was the uh, high school uh, English department. So I had grades nine, 10, 11, and 12. And I was the librarian and I helped with the speech team. And I also directed a couple plays that year. But um, I also ended up with Shingles and Mono my first year of teaching. So I advise <laughs> against that, if at all possible. <laughs> but I had a, a great time. But then um, <clears throat> I was commuting uh, 45 miles one way uh, to, to uh, teach that job. I was there for two years and then I went uh, to the town that I was living in. And that was again, a little bit of an increase. Uh, we were a student body of about 900. I had an auditorium, uh, more of a, a program. Uh, and I was there for a couple of years. And then I was rift, And uh, then I went to a bigger school, about 12, 13, 1400, part of an, an incredible program. Uh, It still is. It's a program that's got to be probably about 50, 60 years old now, and it's only had two directors. I mean, anyway, it was amazing. And then to another high school in that town, again, a little bit bigger, a little bit more responsibility. Um, My last high school job uh, was in Mesa, Arizona, and that was the the biggest. I think if I'd inherited that as a first-year teacher, I would not have been ready. But, I mean, there was a large auditorium. Uh, complete lighting system, sound system, uh, complete program, drama classroom, um, tiny little scene shop. I mean, you know, all kinds of stuff. And so I just, I'm so grateful uh, for my career, I think, for the opportunities that I've had and for, in a way, the order in which it all seemed to progress. And then, of of course, to end end my career um, at Illinois State University uh, in Theater education or helping to prepare young men and women to do what I had been doing with not nearly the preparation <laughs> that they had um, uh, was uh, it was quite a capstone I think uh, for my career. I know I was looking at uh, one of the, the questions about materials and what would you recommend eventually someday and I I took a look at what I kept you know through the years as such and that was That's kind of an interesting journey that I might reflect on a a little bit later too. But um, yeah, and uh, during the course of that, I worked on a master's uh, and finished that at uh, in Grand Forks, uh, North Dakota. And uh, also then of course, uh, completed my PhD uh, at Arizona State. And so um, that was a a wonderful and and life-changing experience. And I think it uh, changed me more than any other experience I had as far as being um a better, more creative uh teacher. And again, I'm very, very grateful for that experience. It wasn't an easy one. It wasn't a particularly fun thing to get your PhD, but um no. <laughs> it sure felt good when it was done.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but anyway, that that's kind of a kind of a quick forty four year capsulized version of what's happened to me as a teacher, I guess.
0: <laughs> well, um thinking looking at the the different sizes of schools that you taught in, um what were some of the similarities and differences in from that very small first school to that very large last school before you came to ISU?
1: Yeah, that is a really great question. Um, well, I, I think, of course, the, the thing that we all have in common as teachers, no matter where we teach is, is students. Um, the students' reaction and response to the opportunity to do theater was very, very similar, regardless of if they'd never you know, done a play before the first school that we were in. Uh, my husband actually, you know, built a lighting board. We made lights out of coffee cans and PARs. <laughs> I mean, you know, we, and the kids, of course, they, they'd never done anything like that. And um, we did that. And they, of course, were very proud of that. And that, that's one of the beautiful things I think about theater, and no matter where you do it, um, is that when the kids buy into it, when you take care of them, when you do a good job, there is, there's growth, there's camaraderie, there's there's so much that happens. And I think that that's that was consistent, regardless of where I went or what the facility was like, or even in some ways, maybe what the quality uh, of the theater might have been. Um, I have changed and grown a great deal as an <laughs> artist, obviously, since my my first schools and and so forth. Um, but and, and I, I think another thing that I found that was similar uh, for me was the support of, of parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, who want to see their kids succeed, who want to see their kids do something different. Um, even though they're obviously going to be the parents who are going to challenge what you're doing and why, and why are you asking your child to do that? And maybe my child won't do that this time. And I say, you know, that, that it's all good, but it's all, it's all experience for them, uh, you know, uh, and, uh, and for us. Um, and so uh, I guess those are the, 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 the biggest things. And I, I think in some ways the, most important. I think when I started out, I used to think, oh my gosh, I can't wait till I get to a big theater with all kinds of lights and sound equipment and an auditorium and all this kind of stuff, because then I'm going to do good theater. Mm. And I don't think that's necessarily the case anymore. <laughs> um, uh, as I said, I, I, uh, uh, I learned a lot. It, I'm so grateful for uh, everything that I learned. Some of the lessons were more painful than others, but um, yeah, theater has a lot, a lot, a lot to offer. No matter where you offer it, if you've got kids who are willing to take a risk, and they're out there, you know, they'll be there for you and help you take that journey.
0: Yeah, I just I always say kids are kids, no matter where they are, and no matter how big the school is, they're kids, and they 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 want to be loved. They want to. Be told that they can succeed, and then they want to. They want to do that. So, um, I thank you for sharing that. Um, uh, Looking over your career, what have been some of the the um, biggest uh, joys and challenges?
1: Um. Oh gosh, Uh, I was I was thinking about that a a, a little bit. Um, Obviously, I I think, and uh, this became more apparent to me. I think as I when I shifted from high school to to college or university teaching. But sometimes I think the biggest challenge the teachers face is walking into the classroom every day. Mm. Um, it takes a a, um, a lot of energy. It takes a lot of, um, when you learn how, I think a lot of generosity of spirit uh, to, to make that happen, as well as some courage. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, there, there were, I, I had times in my classroom, you know, we all do where, you know, I'd say, excuse me, I'm too angry right now. I have to step out in the hall and I'll come back and then I will talk to you, <laughs> you know, or I would, I would maybe leave the classroom that has happened to me at least once or twice in tears and say, I'm sorry, I'll be right back, <laughs> you know, but we, that those, those are teaching stories, you know, and we all have those and we all learn how to cope with that. And we all grow, you know, as a result of those experiences, but, um, some of the best experiences I think I I, I had with kids was traveling with kids. Um, I took a couple groups of kids uh, to New York, and and that was fun. Uh, I took one group of students from from Crookston, Minnesota, to Minneapolis, which for them was a huge trip at the time, you know. And um, and and I think. One of the culminations, I guess, is one of the is the last thing I did with with high school students before I came to ISU, and that was to go to uh, to Scotland, uh, to the Fringe Festival and uh, and perform there. But yeah, we we all we all have war stories, you know. We all have the highs and the lows, and and I, I I wish maybe in some ways mine might be more unique. But I think I I am what I am and what I was, which was a teacher who you know tried to do the best they could and uh, had hopefully most of the time anyway a pretty darn good time doing it.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I firmly believe in student travel and and, and taking them to places. Um, why do you think uh, that's so impactful on kids?
1: Um, well based on what I've seen and, and um, some of the students that I traveled with way back in the day are students that I'm still in contact with. Um, but um, I think because it literally changes the way they see themselves in the world. Mm. And that's kind of profound. Yeah. Anytime you can offer that to a young person on any scale, um, you know, where the world gets bigger for them. And, and then they see that they can take on the New York subway and live to tell of it, uh, that they can get on a bus, you know, uh, uh, in, in Edinburgh, Scotland and end up where they wanted to go. That they can perform in front of people uh, that they have never seen or never met or never known, who aren't their families. That they can eat strange and wonderful food and try things that they never thought that they would would try. I remember we, when we I took some kids to a um, uh, to a restaurant. It was a dinner theater, it was, but we, it was a brunch at the time, and they served us this fruit kind of plate, uh, not a plate. It was kind of in a uh, like in a cup but they had put some dry ice in the bottom of the cup. And so when it appeared at our table, it was, as the kids said, it was smoking. (laughs) I mean, it's little things like that. You think, well, that's dry. Well, if they've never seen that or experienced, I mean, the littlest things can have the biggest impact in some ways, let alone uh, when you get done with the trip and they get home and they can look back as they start talking to their parents about it. And as I said, it's different. They are different yeah. for taking that trip and having that experience.
0: Yeah, I, I've had those exact same experiences. Um, one of my favorite experiences from travel um, was a year that I took a group of kids to New York and my, my mom and dad went on the trip with me and they, oh, they cool. wanted to go on the trip with us. So come on. So we went and the, he was Mr. Chrisman one, I was Mr. Chrisman two. And uh, <laughs> they, about halfway through the trip, my mom pulled me aside and she said, I get it. I said, What do yeah. you get? She said, I get why you do what you do and yeah. I get why you're good at what you do because those kids love you. And you're you're giving them these experiences that they would never have otherwise. She said, So I, I, I get it. And she was always supportive of my career and always supportive of my choices but it clicked for her in that moment when she saw me interacting with them and, and getting them on a subway and getting them all off together. So we could get, at, you know, the same place at the same time. But so, yeah. yeah, that was a, that was a special moment for me with my mom on that trip. You know,
1: you made me think of when you said traveling with your parents, we, there was a couple of times we went to New York, we took our kids with and whatever. And that reminded me of an experience that I haven't thought about for a long time that really probably was one of the most profound travel experiences I've ever Because I wasn't international, but, um, <clears throat> one of the schools that I was at, we developed a, a, a traveling program. Um, <clears throat> it was called Imagination Station. And there's a lot of take, I mean, lots of people do that kind of work now, and and they were doing it then, too. But uh, we were kind of commissioned by the Learning Disabilities Association of North Dakota, right, to put together a piece that would, would tour to schools and to families. And, you know, so we took some of our stuff, and there were some people wrote some things and submitted them to us, and... Um, uh, but we, uh, we traveled with that piece. We actually took it down to, um, uh, the thespian conference too mm. performed down there. But by the time we added that up, we had performed that piece over 50 times. And, uh, I mean, it got to the point where we could, we'd get to a school we'd unload the bus, the kids would look at me and I'd say, this is a 40 minute version. Okay, go. We get to another school, I'd look at my watch, we're doing the 30 minute version. Okay, <laughs> I mean, they were like a well, you know, they were all so proud um, <clears throat> of what they took responsibility for too. So I think that's what you're talking about, what we're kind of talking about here too. You know, and it was this, the same when we went to Scotland, when we, you have to unload and set up and then strike and, you know, get the heck out of the theater because the next group is coming in. And we rehearsed that, you know, that's what, that's what you do, you know, and, and, but they were so proud, you know, of what they had accomplished. Um, And I, I think, I think sometimes at different times in my career, I'd say, oh yeah, those are my kids, you know, that's so awesome. And they, they are for that very short period of time. But, you know, the longer you teach and, well, you know, this too, the, the more you realize they're they're not yours. (laughs) You know, they, they never were, they can't be because they are who they are and they are going to be who they are going to be. Maybe, maybe you were in a position to help a little bit. And that's awesome. You know, but it, it really is. And, and it's so nice when you're like, your mom could say, I know why you do what you do. And I know that when I talk to you, we're speaking the same language. We know why we did and do what we do. And it's, it's a, it's a real nice feeling just yeah. to, to to share that with you, Jimmy.
0: Well, thank you. I, I feeling is very mutual. Um, I w- I would love to talk a little bit about your as because you were sharing a little bit ago about moving from the the, the different high schools that you were teaching in or the schools that you were teaching in, and stepping into a position that someone else had been doing for a very long time in a very established program. What was that like? And do you have any tips and tricks for those teachers who are doing that this year?
1: For a while, I thought I wanted to write a book because I did it twice. (laughs) (laughs) It was pretty painful both times. (laughs) But I mean, we all survive, right? And I, I wish that I had done it perhaps with more grace. I, I think my, my first bit of advice would be if you come in and follow someone who was, you know, the god or goddess on campus at that time, just be full of grace and uh, accept that. I Like I said, I've had varying degrees of, of success with that. But I, I think as far as pieces of advice to do that, um, just realize that in some ways, particularly, most likely from seniors, uh, if you're in the high school setting, <clears throat> There's bound to be uh, some resistance in some ways. There's some re-educating that has to take place for you as a teacher, as well as for them as students. And um, I I think one of the big mistakes that I made was not, as I said, not giving those kids enough grace and pulling myself out of that, because it really was not about me. It wouldn't have mattered who stepped into that position because they were not Mr. Such-and-so, hmm. you know? And, and, that, and it, it, it took me a long time. I think I was a little bit better at it the second time, but I was, I was still hard because, um, because you have a, a vision. Uh, but, of course, in order to work in a high school program, it's got to be a shared vision with the kids. Yeah. It can't just be yours. Um, and so to kind of let some of those things happen – to accept, it's, it's a grieving process in some ways for some mm-hmm. kids, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what they were looking forward to isn't going to happen. The roles maybe they thought that they could look forward to are not going to be there for them, maybe for someone else. But I, um, that happened to, to me my, uh, my senior year in high school. Uh, the teacher that I loved that got me into theater, that's the reason I went into education and loved theater to begin with, left the end of my junior year. Um, and we had someone else come in our senior year and and I was an, I was a little poop to them. I mean it was, it was it was horrible. I was not I was not kind. I was not necessarily respectful. I wasn't disrespectful and mean. I mean, I still auditioned and and so forth. but you know, behind the, the scenes there's all the little chattering going on and so I had an idea of what might have been going on and what those kids might have felt like and their kids. So I, I know adults who don't accept <laughs> change and transition very well, and it takes a long time. But usually once you get through that senior class, that first year that you're there, if you can get them to believe in you just a little bit and to trust you just a little bit, um, and then, you know, bring up the freshmen or the sophomores, you know, however that works. It's uh, I, I wish I had some better Advice, other than as I said, to be kind, be patient. Oh yeah, (laughs) and like I said, you know, grace. Grace is a wonderful gift um, to those those kids and to teachers and to the way things used to be. And and there's a lot you're not going to know. A lot of the way things were done, the way they should be done, that they're not being done that way (laughs) anymore. Um, Yeah, it's a, you know, in a way, that kind of transitioning uh, was a wonderful wonderful challenge too i learned more about myself than i wanted to
0: oh yeah i uh my very first teaching job um i I was i stepped into a position at a very large school in charlotte and um the the man well (laughs) the the gentleman who started the program was an assistant principal at the school And there was a gentleman between me and, and the assistant principal, um, and the gentleman between like really like stole sound equipment, slept in the theater in front of the kids. I mean, just all kinds of things that you don't do. And so that was, that was my, my interview was two questions and he, he interviewed me. He said, will you smoke in front of the kids? And do you have a reliable transportation to get to work? I said, no. And yes. And he said, cool. You want to tour the the space? That was my interview. (laughs) And, but, but I, but I say all that, that he was still an assistant principal when I started teaching. So there were the kids who were his babies and were still his babies because the guy between us really let them down. And they had a really hard time trusting me. Um, but we had an amazing first year and, and he was so wonderful. Um, they would go running to him about something I did, or that was different than how he would have done it. And he was like, okay, he's a different person. Go back to him. Um, so I, I at least had that going for me, but it's a challenge. It's very challenging.
1: Yeah. The, um, my last teaching job, uh, in, in Arizona, um, I took on what would, what, I thought it was initially a temporary, you know, position in, in the high school theater department, and I, I, I took over for the Arizona Teacher of the Year. Um, <laughs> big shoes to fill that, but he, because um, uh, he took a year to, to travel and talk about, you know, being the Arizona Teacher of the Year, and then, uh, then he decided not to come back, and he went into administration, but he was still in the district, um and he left so many things in place uh for me that was the second time that i had to transition Mm -hmm. so i was maybe a little better at it i don't know but um um and uh, i mean including you know someone that he had kind of hired still to be auditorium manager who knew the lighting system this i mean you know and i and i'm i'm sure that the kids were running to him him too you know um but yeah i he was a, a wonderful wonderful man
0: yeah well we're going to talk a little bit about transitioning now. And I would love to hear about your transition from teaching high school to the university. Um, yeah. I've been experiencing it and I would love to hear what your experience was like. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I think that initially when I uh, pursued the Ph.D., uh, I in the back of my head somewhere, I, I wasn't sure that I could uh, – teach on the high school level and and do a theater program and and be the only person doing that or whatever and 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 last you know for a, a length of time plus I thought I wanted a, a different kind of challenge too and so I did I you know I pursued my phd and then I started you know interviewing for jobs I maybe I'm not sure that I thought I would actually get a job in a university. I, I, I'm not sure it was, it was interesting, you know, gosh, they pay for the travel. You get to meet nice people and have nice meals. And, you know, <laughs> It said that, that, you know, it's a very stressful process. Don't get me wrong. So the transitioning, I, I think um, took place kind of uh, almost uh, during the course of some of those interviews, you know, mm-hmm. you say you go to these various campuses. Is this what I want? Is this the atmosphere that I want, um, uh, and, and so forth? But I, I really, I'm quite certain, I had no idea what it meant to teach at a university. I mean, that's that's how I felt when I got there. Um, not not a clue. I felt I knew how to teach, but I didn't know those kids at all. And I thought, <laughs> I thought that when you get to college, those kids are older, right? They're in college. They know what they want. They know exactly where they're going. No, not so much. They're a lot like us, you know, we're doing the best we can (laughs) trying to figure it out as we go. Um, And so, you know, the the number of kids that I would find in my office talking about all different kinds of, of things and issues in their lives that just kind of blew me away. And I went, no, these, these people are people trying to figure it out just like our high school kids. Yep. Uh, only in some ways for our college kids, I always feel the stakes are almost higher, Yeah, you know, cause it's intensified and it's, it's um, it's really something. Um, I, I think um, one of the interesting things for me that just totally blindsided me and scared me absolutely uh, to death was the first time I directed at the university. Um, and uh, that was, um, I'll just say a very, very challenging experience uh, to navigate uh, those waters, to go from essentially having complete control over just about anything that happens and appears on the stage or in the rehearsal schedule or in your shops or anything else, you know, to going yep. to you're sitting at the head of a table, you've got a design team of like 30 people, <laughs> you've got these calendars that you have to deal with that, it. You know, it was it was uh, it was quite different and um i i had uh, i I watched uh, other folks uh, navigate those waters the se- the semester before you know I took it on and i it might have been different if I hadn't done a musical first um, you know you did right I did, <laughs> so, I did. <laughs> but um anyway um so that was that was very different and um I think in in some ways, uh, the colleagues that you surround yourself with at a or you are surrounded by at a university, um of course their 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 talents, uh so often their their willingness, you know, to help, to be there, but they are also remarkably busy people, artists with egos almost as big as your own, you know <laughs> so yep. so. There, there was a, a different kind of a transition to make there to being the theater teacher who could essentially do any, you know, you're know, you great, you're fantastic, you can do anything to, well, this is a problem and this is a problem and this really work in that scene and I don't know why you're done. you know? There's a whole different level of uh, examination hmm. at the university level, I think, in some ways. Examination of self, examination of yourself as an artist, um, as a teacher, as a colleague, um, and either you kind of step up and into that, um, or you kind of try to avoid it and then you miss a huge opportunity. Mm. But uh, there are definitely differences. I mean, the schedule in the day alone to go going from teaching five classes a day, five days a week, upwards of 150 kids, you know, to two classes a day, you know, three times a you week, know, whatever, uh, about the preparation level. And some of those expectations are quite different. Right. But, um, so, I mean, when I first made the jump, people said, well, which do you like better? And for a while, I think I missed high school. So I say, Oh, I kind of miss that, you know? <laughs> and then, and then I, you know, after retiring or whatever, you look back, say, Oh, geez, I really <laughs> miss that. And I really like that too. Um, you can't compare the experiences. I would not choose one over the other because both made me who I am. So,
0: yeah. Um, people, People ask me if I miss teaching high school Yeah, quite frequently. And you do. And I, I, miss, kids. I miss the work I did with my kids every day. Yeah, Every day. I don't miss the, the crap of school. That's what I lovingly like to call it. But I miss my kids and the work we did. Um, yeah. And
1: but, the work you got to do together. Yes. On a level that in some ways is a little bit different than your relationship with a college university actor. Yes. You know, at least that's a difference that, that I think I can articulate.
0: Yeah. And uh, I, I I still see I, one of the biggest things I worried about um, when when I when I got the job and I was in that process of of closing out my last year and then moving um, yeah. was I, I was worried that I would not still have an impact on kids yeah. and or students and and. Yeah. I was very wrong about that. Yes. And, yeah. and I'm, I'm very happy to, to know that. Yes. Yes. Um, cause, and I, and I see the work that I'm doing, um, makes a difference on a very different scale level. Um, yes. it, it's a different impact and, yeah. and I, I'm, I'm loving the challenge. I'm loving, um, the part of me that's thinking very differently. Um, that I haven't part of my brain that I hadn't used before. Um, yeah. and it's just, it's, it's been a, it's been a, it was challenging. It was a challenging transition, uh, but it was, uh, it's fun. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoy what I'm doing. Good, good, yeah, good. Let's talk about your the, 44 years is a long time in a career mm-hmm. in any field. And talk about what that, um, what that was like. And, how you took care of yourself, how you kept going, um, when you didn't want to. And, uh, <laughs> you know, cause those things yeah. happen.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I was, I was, um, one of the wonderful things about you asking me to do this is, um, the, the reflection that started taking place from the second I said I would do it, you know, till now is in its, its reality. Um, I took a look at, you know, trying to label maybe the stages, if you will, mm. um, of my career. I know that there are many books written on the the cycles of teaching careers and, you know, that kind of stuff. But um, uh, there was a question that you said, well, you know, discuss some of the themes of your your work or your teaching career or whatever. But, um, you know, the, of course the, the, the first thing I think as, as a young teacher, I mean, you, you have no choice. You have to grow mm. and you better grow pretty fast and pretty exponentially until you figure it out. And so then you reach about year four, three, five, right? And you think you kind of have it figured out. And then you can start getting, you can start adding things and changing things and you feel good in the classroom and your style is kind of beginning to emerge and your confidence is there and you're feeling, oh dang, this is great. I got this, right? And then and then something comes along or you're in the profession long enough. You get to for me, it was about year <clears throat> 10, 11, 12 that I kind of started to go, oh man, I this is I got to survive this somehow. Mm. I think that's when my kids came along. You know, uh, I I kid my I joke with my children. I I say I I have no memories of the 80s whatsoever. I have no idea what happened or what you were doing then. <laughs> but,
0: <laughs> but I mean
1: they came with us to set constructions and they ran around the schools and built sets and you know, they were they were part of that but it started to get really hard for some reason i didn't i don't think i was as you said taking care of myself um in a way as i as i should have um and then i went back to get my masters i was a master's in english uh, but I, I wrote a a, a one uh one woman play uh so i mean i kind of got to feed myself and come back at that and 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 that was a really wonderful experience too so then i kind of went from growth to survival to in some ways, kind of reinventing myself. Mm. I perceived myself differently once I had a master's a little bit, you know, gosh, I, I, I know more now, I can teach more now, I can be more things, you know, maybe to more people. But then, you know, the, the shift came in the move when we moved to Arizona. And my first year of teaching in Arizona, I was in a high school, and this is after 21 years of teaching now, and I walked into the classroom, I was an English teacher. Um, the theater teacher, for some reason, didn't want anything to do with me at about that point. I think <laughs> she'd heard that I was the North Dakota teacher of the director of the, anyway, it was, we, we had ego troubles there. And so I wasn't able to do theater. So I walked into my English classroom, first day of school. And there were about 36 kids in that room and there weren't enough desks. And I mean, it, it, was, it was absolute chaos. I mean, it was every teacher's nightmare. And it was like that day after day and you know i would ask the principal to come in and i mean um so it was it was not too long after those first days of school that i got into the car one night when dean picked me up and i was just crying i said i can't i can't do this i can't do this anymore and he said some fateful words to me he said you don't have to what (laughs) i don't have and that's when I decided to go back to grad school to try to find maybe another way of being able to do this. Um, but the, the second year that I was in that same school, um, they gave, the well, first year I had ninth graders. Then the second year I had 10th graders and I had about 90% of those same kids mm-hmm. that I had battled with the first year. But that second year, those kids walked into my classroom, we knew each other We had a great time. I would put that year in the top five of my 44 (laughs) years of teaching. It was marvelous and I hated to leave, but then I went back to grad school. And what grad school does to you, well, you know this, it's a little bit of a crucible um, Mm -hmm. or it should be, I I think. Uh, That's part of the the challenge of of academia in general, but on that that level in particular. But what that helped me do is then help me discover another arena literally another arena to do battle in, you know, for a while. And so, um, and that's kind of where I was then as I, as I, you know, found myself at uh, ISU and I was there of course for 17 years. And then the hard part comes uh, with the letting go. And um, it was in some ways it was harder than I thought. And in some ways it was easier than I thought because I think, what was I? 60 66 when I retired um, I knew it was time I just, I just knew it was time I knew that for example the program and the kids needed someone with newer ideas someone who was quite literally younger someone who would see this program and its potential from a completely different perspective um, and so those I think are 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 kind of like the, the the five, you know, growth, survival, reinventing myself, discovering a new arena, and letting go. That's kind of how I thematically tried to take a look at um, those 44 years. I, I can't imagine that as a first-year teacher, I would have been able to even begin to fathom what 44 years looked like in that profession. And frankly, you kind of get into it, and you really don't. You just you go year to year, and you do your thing, yeah. <laughs> you know? and you, you love your kids and you do the best you can and you make mistakes and say you're sorry and move on and just keep going, you know? But, you know, the, the idea of self-care, I think is, is really important. You know, we've taught, that's kind of a catchphrase, you know, now in our COVID times as well, but um, I don't know how teachers are gonna be doing that in this current, current world. I, I just, I, I, I worry. You know, it's nice to say, yeah, take a spa day, read a book, uh, you know, do yoga. Yeah, I mean that, and that, and I don't mean to demean any of those practices. Those are those are wonderful and fulfilling and relaxing, um, and uh, and all of those things have to happen. Um, you know, if if your cup is empty, you've got nothing to give anybody else. But um, and I think I think is I'm I hope that every uh, every teacher finds that for themselves somehow mm-hmm. if if they don't i think they leave the profession
0: yeah i don't think they last yeah having looked back um and having that that self reflection and and you've seen educational theater grow and change and morph into new things um over your career um looking ahead and and i and i would love to say Despite COVID, like, let, let's take that out of the yeah, equation. But, yeah, yeah, let's go. But it's hard to do that right now. Um, but what, where do you see it going?
1: Interestingly enough, I, I think that, yeah, I was going to say that has a lot to do with you and people like you, doesn't it, in a way? I think for the longest time, I had an idea of what theater was and what good plays were and what good theater literature was and what the process was and how it was supposed to be done. <laughs> and then you'd get a good product. I was much more product oriented at the beginning of my uh, my career. But uh, I think, thank God, by the time I got close to the end and after the work on the PhD and so forth, I think I became much more process oriented. Um, I, I, I think, when you look to the future, if you want if you want this art form, and this this is this is old stuff. You know, I, I don't have anything new to offer at this point. I don't think, at least I I don't feel qualified to to do that. I can just say that I think the most important thing that we need to do is regardless of where we do theater, that we see the kids that we're doing it with, that we see them and that we don't say, oh, let's do The Furious Savage because that's a good play, it's good. No, you've got to see the kids where they are and who they are and offer them something of, of significance and, and, and meaning. And for some of us, maybe it's, it's a play for some of us, it's a, it's, an, it's an exploration. It's a, it's a movement piece. It's a piece to music. It's writing their own stuff. It's uh, socially conscious, socially active, engaging theater. Some of those things that, you know, when I went to school as an undergrad, it, it didn't even exist or you didn't talk about it. It didn't even hardly get it in theater history, you know, when it came to some of the more avant-garde art forms and those kinds of things. But I mean, if your kids need the Furious Savage, do it. <laughs> you know. But I, I, I think that we have to do as much as we can to keep it as accessible to as many kids as we possibly can. And I'm not talking about, you know. I think sometimes people look at educational theater and they say, oh yeah, you're raising our future audiences. Uh, no, no, I'm not. Um, I have human beings in my classroom. And my main job is to find their humanity and help them find it, right? And then help them share that with as many people as they possibly can. Um, I um, I always kind of thought I reached a certain point that I I didn't want to necessarily train actors. I I wanted to to create and help human beings. I that was not important. I mean, we did. Good theater. We had professional standards. We had expectations. We, you know all of those things, because good theater is something the kids can be proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you know, at, at the same time, it's it's very complicated. The arts, as we know, are always challenged. They're always the, the the first to go. The hardest to to accomplish in some ways. And I I worry a great deal, so much um, about university theaters, professional theaters, all the people that I know whether they're roadies or performers, or we're gonna be the last to come back is what concerns me so much. Um, And so in some ways that makes what we do in our classrooms even more important, more significant now in some ways than it has ever been. And to find ways of having kids share um, and quote unquote perform, I'd rather use share, but anyway, um, within that setting. Uh, or within settings that they're that they're comfortable in and that they can adapt to, um, I think that's that's going to be crucial. I just I I I hope that when we come out of this, um, you know, that we're not only uh, only ready, uh, of course, to go back to doing what we did, but to embrace what we've learned uh, about what we can do when we can't do what we've always done, (laughs) you know, so, um, uh, I'm hopeful. I'm very, very hopeful because I know the kind of kids who go through your program. Right. And, um, I, I know the kind of uh, men and women that are out there that have gone through that program over the last 40 or 50 years. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of the folks who were first in this program are now retiring. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, and and that gives me hope for the creativity that I know that they're going to exhibit, for the flexibility, for the, resi- uh, the, um, the, the for the resilience that I know that they have, uh, for the love of theater uh, that they have, and for the love of kids. I mean, I think that that's what we have to do now. We just have to love our kids.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> we gotta love them a lot.
0: Yeah, that's a. I mean, that's like it's, it's a theme that's just. Ru- rang true. It sounds through your whole career and, 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 and into now. Um, and I would love to hear what you're doing now in retirement. How are
1: how, how are how are
0: you filling your time?
1: <laughs> well, golly Moses, <laughs> you know, it's like, um, I've had, I, I, I and what I'm just going to call kind of an interesting relationship with the theater since I've retired. Um, um, I, I did a, a show the first fall that I, I retired I directed something, you know and um, I'm working on a project, a play reading kind of thing now and I've auditioned for a couple things. but um, I'm not saying I've avoided theater, but it, I think that it defined me for such a long period of time. I think from for me looking back, almost since the time I was 16 years old, you know when I first discovered, the uh, the attraction of of performing, you know, and yeah. then went crazy from there, till I stopped doing it, you know, a couple of years ago. In that way, I mean, there were times when I was doing five, six, seven shows a year, whether it was in my own program, community theater. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, mm-hmm. you, we all do that, right? We all do that. Um, but I mean, really, I've, I of course, COVID didn't help this year, but I we we've, we've done some traveling, which was wonderful. Uh, we try to see theater. I, I still in, enjoy that very, very much. Um, I, uh, but I haven't committed too much to directing, to the creating uh, aspect of it. Um, I, I read a lot. Uh, I work in the yard. <laughs> I take care of my grandkids, you know. Um, um, but that, that's a question uh, or, or an, an activity when I think of my, my love of the theater and how it has defined me. And it, it, I guess I need to go, you know, back into my own my own process uh, to reinvent myself uh, a little bit. And I'm so, I mean, I've been retired for, well, you know, Jimmy, three years. We've got the same anniversaries right. here, you know. Um, but I um, i am still kind of stepping outside myself a little bit, outside that and saying, okay, so what do you really want to have happen now? Who do you think you want to be now? Um I have discovered, though, that I, I, there is something that needs to happen. I don't know what yet, but something needs to happen uh, to uh, re-energize myself in some ways. Um, I found a, a, a rather sluggish side to myself. <laughs> I can sit on the couch and read a book for hours, and I'm just, and I'm just fine, you know? Um, but uh, I, I haven't done any writing. Uh, I went through some files yesterday or the other day and, and found some things and I went, oh, I could, I could get back to that maybe. Or there's a, a play I've been thinking of doing and trying to get done forever and ever. And now I'm going to think about, well, let's reinvent that. And let's see if we can't find a place to do that. But um, I just, I really like my life. I mean, I've, I've, I've been pretty lucky. I've always liked my life. I think I'm so incredibly lucky and blessed and fortunate um, in my life. Um, and that I have been able to, you know, I look out my window. I see beautiful things. I pet my dogs, who I love very much. I hug my grandchildren. Yes, I do. Still, <laughs> you know. Um, I I I sit on the porch and listen to the crickets. You know, it's like... Oh, I have such an exciting life, but for me right now, it's it's beautiful, and it's kind of fulfilling, and it's it's very calming in some ways. After going from well, you know, um, the meetings, the teaching, the yeah. the office hours, the expectations, the you know, um, it's um, quite lovely. But I I um, I'm not that I'm running out of time, but I kind of am. But I mean, something something has to happen, and I I believe that it will. Just not sure what it is yet.
0: Uh. Well, I'm excited to see whatever that is, and uh, <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, we, you mentioned it a little bit ago, um, but I would love to hear one or two of your favorite stories from your career. Uh, one of those funny stories, those horror story moments, the a moment that really touched you and kind of had an impact on you personally.
1: You know, interestingly enough, some of the moments that ended up being most interesting and most impactful to me have happened after the fact. In other words, I, I, I think of a production that I did at one of the high schools I was in, and there was a young man in the cast who was having all, all kinds of difficulties, um, not showing up, uh, some, some attitude challenge, I mean, some, some different mm-hmm. kinds of things. And I, I ended up laying down an ultimatum and I ended up asking him you know, to to leave the cast. Um, and that was that was a very hard and difficult night and a very difficult thing to do. I've only had to do that. I have only done that a couple of times in my career, and both times it was remarkably, remarkably painful. Mm-hmm. The second semester came around, uh, and I ended up casting that young man uh, in the musical, and he was he was wonderful. Um, <clears throat> and about a week ago or so, I heard from this young man, and he said, I just, I just have to let you know that when you asked me to leave the cast, that was one of the hardest things that's ever happened to me, and I was so embarrassed, and I still had to show up in class, and, and there you were. He said, and I, was, I don't remember any of this, he said, but you still continued to see me Mm. You still continued, you know. I, I don't remember any of it, you know that. And he said, and then when you cast me in the Spring Musical, and I had the time of my life. He said, I learned the lesson. And uh, to me, I think that's one of the most <clears throat> challenging things about teaching. We don't. We so often we don't see the seeds, um, let alone you know what. <clears throat> what may or may not come from that seed, you know? I mean, we, we sow seeds every day, it's like, you know, wild abandon, <laughs> you know, and we <laughs> hope for the best. But, um, you know, those some of those difficult moments that are so painful for everyone, you have to remember that they're painful, not just for you as the teacher, um, but, you know, what can come of that as, as far as kids are concerned um, as well. Um, I've kind of lost my thread a little bit here, Jimmy. Can you re-ask the question again? <laughs>
0: just, just a couple of your favorite stories from from your career.
1: Yeah, well, like I mentioned, some of my favorite things, um, uh, you know, with, with with kids and traveling. And I, I was thinking back on two of the biggest lessons I learned that weren't necessarily in the classroom but that that came from my colleagues that uh, that really made a, a big difference to me and. Um, fairly simple things. Uh, Teacher's lounge, uh, sitting around, talking, doing something. I was saying something when one of my colleagues just kind of stopped and looked at me and said, Cindy, don't play games. You're not good at them. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I had been, I think, framing some kind of you know, well, if, I, if if this happens, then I can do this, and this person did that, and they should You know, I don't know even what the exact framework was, but I don't think I was being completely honest with mm-hmm. my colleagues or with myself. And, you know, I don't know if I thought I was this kind of mastermind manipulator. Some people are very good at that. They go a long way with some of those tactics, right? But I did not. And and I, I'm so glad that I learned that. I mean, I think I was about six or seven years into my career at that point. And even as hard and as embarrassing as that was, she was exactly right. And that's one of the best pieces of advice, you know, that I I, I think that I've I've ever gotten. And um, an, another another thing, um, one of my colleagues, unbeknownst to me, had either stopped in or walked through a rehearsal. And at that moment, I had been, you know, I think chastising somebody for something. Um, It was close to the end of the production schedule. And I, for some reason, I think at that point, I still thought that there was a point in the rehearsal schedule where you really need to lay down the law for those kids. Mm -hmm. And when they reflected back to me, what they had heard me saying or what, you know, how they felt when they heard me say that, that was probably one of the most embarrassing moments of my career. Mm. But the valuable lesson that I learned, again, this is at the same school. I learned a lot from the faculty of that school, right? You never need to yell at kids. Yeah. You never need to yell at any kid for any reason. You just don't. It's too hurtful. And it, it's... um. It's 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 hurtful, you know, for you too. So I, I, you know, as as I look at this, this whole golly, all that all that time, all those years, all those people, you know, that literally the thousands of kids that sat in my classroom, God help them, the hundreds and hundreds of teachers and colleagues, and oh, the 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 janitors, if you want to call them that, still the 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 secretaries in the office, the so many millions of people it feels like to me um, just poured themselves into me uh, as well. And uh, I, I feel as though I, I have benefited and will benefit from that for the rest of my life. You know, I, I think once or twice someone at, at ISU, I, I don't know why I said it or what kind of the, where it came from the conversation, but I said, you know, I could die tomorrow and it would be okay because I was a teacher And that feels good to say. Yeah. That feels good to say. Yeah. So I, I, um, I was thinking, you know, when you, there's a little part on your sheet where you say, you know, what are some of your awards or recognition or acknowledgement or whatever. And there's one that I didn't put on there. But in a way, it's the one that means the most to me. It came from that same school, right? The faculty would have awards. They would call them, uh, mine was called the Good Gal Award, right? <laughs> and, and in the spring, kind of as a, as a joke or whatever, they would, they would set out to kind of acknowledge their colleagues, you know, and they write stuff on the back about, you know, how wonderful you are and what a good job you're doing. It's a little certificate, you know, and a frame. But that meant more to me coming from those people who had helped me uh, in so many ways, some of which I just shared, you know, uh, to, to um, then, you know, any other kind of recognition I think I've I've ever gotten uh, from any theatrical kind of endeavor.
0: Well, my final two questions are the ones that I ask everyone. Um, the first one is what is a resource that you are currently using or have used that is a must have <laughs> for theater teachers?
1: Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, that's that's the question that I that I went down to my bookshelf and I said, OK, after 44 years, what did you save? <laughs> you know, so there's nothing new here. Right. But I, I've got several things if I if you'll indulge me. Please. But, of, and I put them kind of in the order of how I just dis- when I discovered them in my career. OK. <laughs> right. Um, but the, the first one, of course, you know, is 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 Spolin. Mm-hmm. I, she, I I didn't discover her until I'd been teaching for about. Three or four years, and when I did, my life changed. Um, and then these next two books came from my graduate school uh, work. Uh, strangely enough, not until I got to Arizona State, I did read in between. I trust me, I did read books in between. But um, this one, uh, "Theater Games for Young Performers," used it in the program. Uh, I think Johnny Saldana actually at at um, uh, Arizona State uh, had this one semester or something, you know, as a book for for our class. Uh, And this other book, I don't. I think this might be out of print. um, Playfair, which um, is such a everybody's guide to non-competitive play, is what it's called. And it's actually, or it was at some point in time, kind of a an organization. This Playfair organization came to ISU, uh, and we watched from the bleachers in the football stadium, and they did some of these non-competitive games, if you want to call them that. Uh, activities with about 400 freshmen on the football field. Wow! And it was—it's just fun. We use this uh, almost uh, almost exclusively when we did so much of our work up at camps. We spent uh, 17 years uh, at a drama camp, going back every summer. And and these last two uh, I discovered um, at ISU and and used them, ex- in, you know, in the program. Uh, one of my favorite ones was Herbert Cole's "I Won't Learn from You," which I love um uh, sparked a lot of conversation, uh, taught me a lot um, again, these are these are really old <laughs> you know like me. <laughs> so um, and then um, a book that when I first encountered it, and again, this is an older book as well um, probably encountered it about 17, 18 years ago was why are all the black kids sitting together in the cafeteria? That was one of my, first forays I think in understanding how much I didn't understand
0: Mm.
1: about so many things. So those, those are some of my faves.
0: I will, I will tell you the, why are all the black kids sitting together in the cafeteria is one of the students' most favorite books that we, we use. Yeah. Um, When they
1: encounter it, it it can be hard for them. Yeah. It can be very challenging, which is why you do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But anyway, yeah.
0: Well, Cindy Brown, what are your parting words of wisdom to new teachers (laughs) entering this field or the veteran teacher who just needs an encouraging word right now?
1: Oh, well, other than I love every single teacher out there and everyone (laughs) who's ever gone through that program. But I think um, I went back to to one of the books to kind of, you know, dig around and see, well, you know, what's in there that I I remember or, or want to remind myself of. But I think, and this goes back to something that I learned and and eventually kind of accepted, but that um, the idea that oftentimes you see in someone what you are looking for. And when a young man or a young woman sits in our classroom and we have the wrong filters on and we don't give them the opportunity to be who they are uh, because we see them as something different um, I, I think that's a, a problem that a lot of teachers have to work through. A lot of us have to continue to work through because it's easy for us to judge based on what information we think, you know, uh, we perceive. And so, you know, uh, one of the things from the book, you know, filter, filter your perception through the prism of hope. You know, I, I really think that that's that's important. We have to hope that these young men and women that sit in front of us every day um, are gonna make it. We have to offer them the possibility that they can, you know, that they they really can. And I I don't know when, but at at some point in time, I kind of learned to let go, to not take myself and take everything so seriously, as though, you know, if a kid got, something something happened in the classroom that that wasn't a threat to my existence. If a kid didn't show up for a rehearsal it wasn't the end of the world it wasn't that, didn't have anything to do with me. And and once I was kind of able to let that go the idea that it it costs me nothing to trust a student. Mm-hmm. It costs me nothing to believe in them. You know, that doesn't cost me anything. I can give that. <laughs> well, trust you know too much on that <laughs> you can only trust so far to a certain extent then you have to say I'm done for a while come back when <laughs> you you know but it, it it doesn't cost us anything to do that if we can let go of ourselves enough uh, to do that so for me to say yeah I believe you can do that and if they don't does it matter no there's another chance you know so that just that just uh, that was a, a revelation to me and I, I would I would really like to to maybe pass up pass that on you know to just try try to see kids yeah I guess not not so much as the way they are but you know as as the way that they hope to be hmm. just like us yeah. you know that's good I hope to be much more tomorrow than I am today
0: that's good good stuff well dr. Cindy Brown thank you so much for talking with me this evening I really appreciated it and uh i've just I've just loved hearing your stories and and Kind of like your journey so, so thank you for sharing that with us
1: oh dr chrisman thank you so much for this opportunity it's been wonderful
0: and curtain that's a wrap for this week's episode of fed talks podcast thank you so much for listening if you haven't done so already please find fed talks on your favorite podcast provider and subscribe to the show so it automatically shows up in your podcast app each week Rate us by leaving some stars. Review us by saying what you love about the show. And most importantly, share the podcast with those theater educators in your life. Find us on all your favorite social media. We're on Twitter at TheaterEdTalks, FedTalks on Facebook, and Podcast on Instagram. Visit our website at www.fedtalks.com for all our past episodes and resource lists from the guests you've met on the show. And email me directly by emailing fedtalkspodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your feedback, recommendations for guests on the show, or if you just want to be a guest yourself. Thank you, Joel Hamlin and Joshua Schusterman, for the use of your original music that we hear on the show. And thank you for listening and for all you do for your students. I'm Jimmy Chrisman. Join me next week for another great interview. Have a great week.